Good evening and welcome along to this week's Sideline View here on Clare FM. Derek Clinch with you for the next hour. Coming up on the show, we'll be looking ahead to Clare's National Football League showdown against Kildare. Previewing Clare's opening weekend in the National Camogie League. We'll also be looking ahead to another big weekend of local soccer and celebrating 100 years with Ennis Rugby Club. But football is where we start that big game with the Lily Whites on a Sunday afternoon in Cusick Park. Ahead of that, I've been speaking with Clare manager Colm Collins, starting with his reflections on their last day out against Meath. There are a lot of positives. The way we came back and in previous incarnations, we may have uh, shipped a big beating, but uh, in this case, we went right at them and could have won the match. Um, now, obviously, conceded three very sloppy goals. We've got to tidy up. You're not going to win matches, concede goals like that, but... Uh, we need to tidy up on that and then at the other end of the pitch make sure that uh, you know that we take the chances that are presented ourselves like we um, you know we we spurned um, we spurned one free where we had advantage and we never made the, the, the ball carrier aware of that and then we kicked three shots so that's a that's a drawn game so there's uh, you know the, the, the chances were there to actually win the match and um, as I say but um, you know fair play to the, the lads the way they fought and uh it's, 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 it's over and done with now and then we've got to learn from it and then drive on and, and um, do better the next step. Yeah, because it kind of seemed like a strange game to analyse. You were trying to marry that thing of the, the great finish that made a, a bad situation manageable, shall we say, but obviously then looking at the reasons as to why you got to that place in the first instance. Yeah, like, um, you know, there was there was a couple of, um, you know, the, the first goal was... was you know, I think uh, a lot of lads would put up their hand and say they should have done a lot better to prevent that goal. And uh, then, um, you know, the, the others, I think there were two, you know, three of the goals were well preventable. Now, credit to me, the third goal, or the fourth goal was an excellent goal. Uh, you know, you know, you'd be saying, we could, you know, always point out things you could have done better. But, you know, it was a decent goal and well worked and, and well taken. And, um, you know, Danny, Danny only missed it by an inch, I'd say, stopping it going in. But, uh, but um, you know, credit to them for there. But we've got to, you know, we can't be late conceding the, like the first three. We can't do, you can't, you can't expect to win matches and do that. Yeah, you just touched on it there about lads putting their hand up and admitting those mistakes. I suppose your squad is in a, a place now where you probably don't even have to point that out. They're probably mature enough and experienced enough now to know themselves. Absolutely. And, and they're very quick to put up their hands and take responsibility. And that's that's one good thing about this group. They're... Um, you know, they it's they've they've taken ownership of the thing, and um, you know that they they will take responsibility if something goes wrong. And then, as you say, you win or you learn. The old the old um, the old John Cavanagh title for his book: "You win or you learn." And uh, we didn't win the last day, but hopefully we learned. Yeah, and like in a lot of respects, maybe this one has been looked at again as another four pointer, almost like the loud scenario. Given, I suppose, the slow start Kildare have made, this could be another massive opportunity for for Clare to maybe move away from that into this into the table and, and and probably get a little bit of mid table comfort. Yeah, well, nothing nothing has changed here, Derek. Uh, from the very start, you know, we said quite clearly that we would take each game as it came uh, and. Uh, just treat each game as a game on its own, nothing else, and get the most we could out of it and hopefully put in a top performance or as good a performance as we could. So nothing has changed in our, in our view. Some days, you know, obviously there's there's a whole lot between a lot of teams in this division, so some days the result will go your way, other days it won't. I mean, Louth will probably feel, you know, the way they lost that game, that they, 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 they feel aggrieved. 
while we would have felt that we should have won the game comfortably. But that's that's it's over and done with. It's 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 and same thing with the Leeds game. So that now we just concentrate on Kildare and uh, putting in a really good performance the next day and uh, getting the most we can out of that match. Yeah, and but going in as well, Colin, with the knowledge that there is some amount of resilience in this squad now, like th- that you know if things aren't going your particular way in a particular period, that there's no major need to panic. So again, with those home comforts and those experience behind you, it's a nice place to be in. Yeah, they're a fantastic group of players, uh, Derek, and it's it's a very strong panel. Um, very strong panel. You know, we have um, we have three guys in trench cup action during the week, and we have uh, six guys in Sigerson Cup final, and it's great to see that. And uh, you know, whatever happens, uh, we live we live a strong team out on Sunday. And uh, just on the injury front, is it going to be much different in terms of those who will and won't be available? Um, I don't think there's major difference. I suppose Brendy Brendy is uh, got through an hour this weekend and he he's, he's looking good. So uh, he comes back into contention. Uh, the rest I, I I have to wait till the weekend to make a call on the rest. Yeah. Yeah, but again, just just to finish up on that point, like to be able to look around and say that someone coming in with the caliber of that young fella, it shows how good a place your squad is in depth wise. Yeah, they're no, they're serious depth in the squad, and uh, you know. We've never ever uh, complained about being missing a player because we always feel that um, we've got a decent squad and just it's a, just a case of next man up to do the job and that's it. And uh, so you know, I'd be I'd be very happy with the squad of players we have and uh, our ability to deal with injuries or if a fellow's out. So um, that there'd be no excuse in that front. That's the views there of Clare manager Colum Collins ahead of Sunday's game against Kildare. We expect the team to be named a little later on this evening, so we'll see how a few of those injuries play out. Uh, Joe Gary with us in studio to look ahead to it. And Joe Cullum was, I suppose, slow there to maybe get drawn into the conversation of how important the game is on Sunday, given the context of Kildare's results to date. But the reality is a victory over Clare on Sunday puts real daylight between them and that kind of drop zone. But I suppose that's not something that they can be thinking about. Yeah, well, well, does it really? You know, it's still only to be their first two points if they were to turn over Clare. But I mean, I think every game, you know, um, there are subplots in every game. But, it, but from a Clare point of view, uh, it, it offers Cullum and the boys an opportunity to get back on the horse because they'll be disappointed with the result. Not so much with aspects of the performance, but disappointed certainly with the result above in Meath and with the concession of those goals that they've been well talked about at this stage. I'm sure they've been ironed out. So it offers Clare now an opportunity in front of a home crowd to get back on uh, their winning way and push themselves up the table and keep themselves in the frame for uh, a potential promotion spot. Yeah, because again, we're facing a situation of back-to-back weekends, a home game against Kildare, then a trip up to Crow Park and you know you prefer people up the road on your high horse than kind of with your head down uh, most definitely you know and you, I, I keep saying that you need to get points in every section of the league the first section we ended up with two from two games now you've this two or three game section coming together so again it needs points and the first place you look for them is game one that's against Kildare traditionally last couple of years little or nothing between the sides you know Clare had good wins up in Kildare uh, in, in last year or two as well so they're well capable of getting a result and I'm sure what Cullum would have seen uh, up and meet would have heartened him in terms of getting the requisite number of scores of course you have to marry that then uh, you know by not conceding goals at the other end yeah he alluded to it there in his piece that not only were the defensive things uh, a worry in that sense but also the, he kind of pinpointed the couple of shots that dropped short you know little things like an advantage not being called that could have been a potential free in and stuff like that so 
there's areas to work on at both ends definitely you know I mean you come off the field above in Park Telton with 16 points you'll say yeah there's a lot of work done but then there was another probably 7 or 8 or 9 scores left behind as well and you know you you ha- certainly have to look at the concession of the goals there's no doubt of the question about that but at the other end you know making the maximum use getting that, that high percentage return from uh, your scoring opportunities made and you know I think that the, the players I, I must say I've been very impressed with him at McMahon last day out thought he led the team even against Louth in the last couple of minutes you could see him signal to players there was four minutes left two minutes left each and every one of the players you know stepping up to the mark and in the absence of the likes of Keelan and Noan Cleary and Darren O'Neill and these lads it's great to see younger lads taking, that on, taking on that mantle Yeah we'll see hopefully there might be one or two of them back in contention tonight when that team is named but like from a mental point of view then I suppose it's it's something the management will be heartened by the fact that when the fat was in the fire against Louth they were able to grind down you know, get on that bit and go and the same at the finish. It would have been very easy against Meath to throw your hands up and say it's just been one of those days, but they gritted it out right to the end. So you know, there's no give up in this squad. No, no, and, and, and Cullum has indicated that a couple of times. You know, he said that uh, it's not their first rodeo and you know, they have done this time and time and now it's expected of them. You know, it doesn't matter because the the eating into the score, the, the Meath had the game won, you know, with a couple of minutes to go. There was no doubt or question about that. They were, you weren't going to turn over but the, a nine-point deficit. But the fact that Clare could bring it back down to four or five, that was huge on the scoring differential. And those things show that you have a battle-hardened unit. A number of years ago, had we gone up to Meath, conceded three first-half goals, chances are we'd have been beaten comfortably. Whereas now the boys know that every score, every point could turn out to be vital and that's the experience that Division 2 gives you. I just wonder, is it is the time coming where Clare might have to try something different, either in, in terms of personnel or positions of personnel? You know, it, it, they've been around a while, we, we can say that, but that also means that they've been there a long time for people to look at them and assess where the strengths and weaknesses are. I just think on a couple of occasions players have maybe been found out in a particular position and maybe a new lease of life could be found in a different area well I'm, I'm quite sure that the challenge match circuit you know offers Cullum that in the McGrath Cup you know you, we, we looked at Jamie Malone back at 6 this, mm. this this year you know starting off uh, Jamie can play equally anywhere in the middle eight you'd imagine he'd be quite comfortable there or any position you know in terms of you don't get much opportunity to, to experiment much in the league there's so much at stake you have to go in with a fairly settled outfit bear in mind now that you're coming off the back of Kieran Russell's absence obviously Darren O'Neill's injury the two boys up front are out injured in my, we might very well have Brindy Ruan back in action this weekend which is a, a positive so bit by bit Cullen will be getting his strongest 15 on the squad or on the field and as that happens players generally have to be prepared to play in any positions David Tuberty is obviously a huge loss in terms of experience in terms of, in terms of score getting but he has been has had to be replaced and now that offers the opportunity to Kieran Downs or Aaron Griffin or one of the lads into you know Aaron Coppern fastened his place on the back of a very good league campaign last year he's now d- doing well for Sigerson so hopefully he'll carry that form into the league and it gives Cullum more and more options and when you have more and more options then you have a little bit more um, to play with in terms of what you can do positionally yeah and defensively as you said like the, the goals are, are, are right signal but I think if you if you look at the manner in which some of the goals are created, go back to the way Louth at times opened us up, even though we were trying to play that compact defence and break at pace, the fourth goal against Meath for me was the most concerning one because we had bodies back, but somehow there was still a channel found. So 
there's still quite a bit of tweaking to be done there. Well, na- naturally there will be. And when you're pushing forward and you leave a few, you take mm. an extra chance or two. You know, you're asking lads to push forward. They need to, you know, get scores on the board. And, you know, there was, you could, you know, conceivably write down three or four, three of the four goals, as you say, to, you know, silly errors, individual errors that more than likely won't be repeated. And the last goal then was a good team move in fairness meet. It was a nice finish as well. But Cullen will have been disappointed that those gaps were, were appeared and particularly appearing where they did in the middle, of, in the heart of the Clare defence. Yeah, and just finally, as you mentioned, that, that that central section now is so important. Two points would be hugely positive mentally and everything else moving on. Um, I think Louth and Limerick are, are to play, if not this weekend, certainly the weekend after. So they'll be taking points off each other as well. So I'd say in the next week or two, we'll have a fairly clear idea as to how the table is starting to shape up. We will. We'll have a good idea even tomorrow evening. I think it's Derry and um, meet tomorrow evening, if I'm not mistaken. Then uh, That Drahad game and Drahad between Limerick and Louth. So, you know, every point will be fought for. But th- this weekend won't solve anything. It won't solve promotion. It won't solve relegation. It's two points on the board and Clare have to go bald-headed now for those two points and let's see uh, where it takes us uh, you know when we get that result yeah and as you said finally to finish up on that Clare have had good results against Kildare so there's no kind of bogey element like we have perhaps with Meath there's no there shouldn't be any hang-ups about it it's a game at home and one that Clare can go and attack yeah it's, it's a typical Division 2 game every one of these games will come right down to the wire they'll be down with 5-6 minutes to go it'll be there for either side more often than not it's seldom enough that a team has a comfort blanket you know going into the last couple of minutes and we saw it in round 1 in a number of the games remember Kildare was only a point or two off Dublin and uh, you know the last day they got turned over by Cork but that means you know their dander will be up now coming they, they're fighting for their lives as well for Division 2 but so too are Clare the Clare you know will just because we've two points on the board will count for not if Kildare win it because then they'll have us in the head-to-head so it's very important to clear now put their best foot forward and carry on up the league Yeah, it's a big afternoon ahead in Cusick Park on Sunday live commentary of the game here from 2 o'clock onwards Jones of Super Value Milton our commentary sponsors so that's our football uh, basis covered here Joe but uh, take off your football hat now and put back on your county board office for one the Uffagor Gwelga August Kultur uh, scoring an og a huge part of that obviously and um, a lot of work going on at the moment A lot of work going in you know a lot of phone calls we made obviously to encourage as many clubs as possible to participate in it score is the cultural side of the GAA and probably has fallen a little bit on lean times here in Clare for the last number of years but thankfully you know there's a good deal of interest now around the county there are eight categories you know ranging from the singing the dancing there's the rink set and obviously the rink Forna, which is the eight hand reel so I'm sure Derek in your day you were well able to master that uh, we have the Oran Yucht we have the Irish Oruk and have an All-Ireland winner of course from last year in Dylan Corrie from Clahanmore my own club in Cora Clare who won that All-Ireland and uh, you know right up through Tron so there's teams there's opportunities for everybody in the club to get involved it's eligible it's minor eligible this year so it's under 17 this year have to be a member of their club and hopefully I must say I'm getting positive response from a lot of the clubs and hopefully now we'll have competitions in each one of the seven competitions so closing date is uh, Wednesday the 22nd forms have to be signed by the secretary with their membership numbers etc of each club back to Anne Hayes who's the scoring uh, secretary as well and hopefully then we'll be able to finalise where the heats are on because it looks like there will be heats required this year and then of course the county final in early March yep so the, those dates to, to bear in mind if you want to so if people it goes through their club club secretary and, and then to, to Anne as the, as and the then Anne as a score and oak secretary and um, then we'll be able to finalise where, where venues are but I mean it's something that is, was particularly strong here in Clare for the last number of years still very strong in Cork and Kerry but um, an opportunity now for hopefully our aim is to get 16 clubs involved this year and I think we'll surpass that
Brilliant. So the fact that Heath's required, I suppose, tells, or hopefully will be required to, to tell tales about the numbers involved. So uh, a lot of interest. A lot of interest. And, you know, the score sheen sure comes up later on the year. And there's lots of different things in Duffy Gael Gagas culture that will be available throughout the year for clubs. So we've got liaison officers in most clubs have come back into us and are, in, are, in, are talking, ch- you know, chatting about what they can do for score and things like that. So uh, hopefully now we'll have a good score and no competition and the very, very best to everybody who not only participates in it, but who goes on to represent the county at a later stage. Back shortly here on Sideline View. Now you welcome back to the show. We're returning to Camogie as Clare opened their National League campaign on Sunday afternoon by hosting All-Ireland Champions Kilkenny in Cusick Park. John Carmody's squad will also face Cork, Galway, Dublin and Tip over the coming weeks. The Kilmeady man told me they're looking forward to the challenge ahead. Yeah, we're very happy with the squad, Derek. Um, we have 50 girls in at the moment uh, between the two squads. Um, there's been a huge response this year. Uh, Obviously, uh, like every county manager, we haven't everybody we'd like to have in, but you know, not everybody can commit. It's a huge commitment, but we have uh, added, we think, a lot of quality to last year's squad. Uh, we're heading into the league with a, with a stronger panel. And look, it's early f- February, but the Omens are good at the moment. Uh, we have assembled the players now, but now we get to get on the pitch and do the work because you know, really the real work will start when the springtime comes. Mm. But uh, we're in a good place. In terms of that, adding to the squad, like we saw the journey of the junior squad in particular went on last year, they'd have gained huge experience, game development, all that stuff from it. So then we might be ready then for that step up again. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's three or four girls uh, stepping into the senior squad for next weekend. Um, Abby Walsh will be there. Uh, Michelle Powell will be there. Grace Carmody will be there. Leisha O'Donnell. Um, probably missing one or two more. Uh, as well as that then... Um, the return of Rebecca Foley is a huge boost. Ora Duggan is back... Uh, from the start this year is a huge boost. Um, we've uh, Leisha Ryan is in for Mina Kilimona, fantastic player, up and coming player. Uh, Amy Keating is in for Mina Kilimona. She was in a few years ago before, but she's in now and she's holding really well. Uh, and then you have the likes of Laura McMahon back in the panel as well, brings huge experience to the overall group and uh, is very good with the young players in terms of uh, creating and advising what the work that needs to be done. So, all in all, we have a good mix, youth, and experience. and we're uh, eagerly looking forward to the, the start of the leagues and I suppose a huge challenge that's ahead of us. Mm. And you've had to take your time to be the, maybe the last inter-county team out, so you'd be ready now to, to hit the ground running, but no sooner will you have hit the ground running than it's a very, very busy schedule then out ahead of you. So you're going from that period of waiting for it to suddenly an amount of games in front of you to look forward to. Yeah, look, the games are coming thick and fast now, but um, you know I've spoken about the panel there and the league for us is... Um, you know about getting senior experience into those girls and being ready for the Munster Championship. Um, we find ourselves in a restructured league uh, in the top six teams in the country. So I suppose number one, it's a huge challenge. But number two, it's um, I think it's a reflection, and 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 the girls can take great uh, what's the word for it? Great satisfaction from the fact that they're ranked in the top six on the basis of their performances for the last four or five years. Mm. So uh, being it being there is that's where we want to be in championship. So being in that mix for the league is the competition we need. Uh, there might be ups and downs, but uh, we need learnings from it. And what we want to be is in that last six for the championship. So come next July, we want to be in Torlos at least in the Ireland quarterfinals. So this league, we're eagerly looking forward to it. And it's a chance to introduce new players in, like Abby Walsh, Jennifer Daly. Joe, Amy Keaton, Leisha Ryan, uh, reintegrate Becky Foley back into the team, Orla Duggan, you know, so all in all, we have a good mix there and uh, hopefully we'll, you know, if we can come back up to the performance levels of last year, 
with a stronger panel, we may get those victories that, uh, you know, that puck of a ball for two or three games last year where it fell the wrong side of us. Maybe with the strength and depth this year, we might be finishing stronger. Yeah, and I suppose it's, it's a hard one to marry it in that maybe if you're in the other tier, results might be a little bit more easier to attain. But I suppose you'd be looking at it from a performance base and seeing how they go against those top teams. Yeah, look at, uh, you know, uh, we're trying to get ahead of those teams in the second tier. So playing those and beating those, I think we can do that on a fairly regular basis. Um, what we want to do is compete with these top six teams. And um, I think we have the talent to do it. Um, I think, okay, it's, it's early days in the year and, and it's, it's winter hurling at the moment, but um, it's just, it'll be level playing field for all six teams in the division. And you know, we, what we hope, as I say, is to develop a, a strong panel of players throughout the league, try our tooth and nail to stay in that division for next year and uh, if we can do that we, we'll have a great campaign As you mentioned very tough challenge up first it's in Cusey Park it's part of a double header so hopefully a big occasion around it as well and something for everyone to look forward to Yeah I look at it I'd hope the, the Clare Hurland supporters and the Clare football for, for supporters would come in early and um, see the girls playing I mean the All-Ireland champions coming to Innes it's a uh, you know, we're really looking forward to that. You know, it's a really, it's a free shot really for us. Mm. Uh, you know, we were probably not expected to win the game, uh, but we have our own thoughts and minds on, on what we want to achieve in the game. Uh, first of all, we're foremost, we're looking for a huge performance from, from the girls and you know, hopefully there'll be a crowd in as that game is winding down. And if we're in the game, uh, you know, again, we talk about these fine margins, maybe the crowd might get behind us and uh, maybe get the girls over the line. Clare Camogie manager John Carmody there. I've also been speaking to Clickitian's Alana Ryan, who'll be a key part of Clare's plans for 2023. She's confident the squad's in a good place ahead of the new season. A lot of work done there over the winter and just kind of looking forward to playing games again. Um, the league kind of starts off the year and you know, we enjoy the games more and more as they go on, as the weather gets better, I suppose, so the league will be the start of it. Yeah, I suppose for you, you're maybe the last intercounty team into action. We've seen the ladies' football team out. The lads obviously had the Munster League and National League now, so does that kind of pent-up energy, I'd say, to get going? That's it, like, and a lot of the girls probably have been going to those matches, and, you know, we're ready to go again now, and um, I'm looking forward to actually being the one playing, I suppose, and, uh, yeah, look forward to it. What's the mood in the camp like? Is there a willingness or, a, or that, I suppose, drive to build on last year? Definitely. Last year, small margins, I suppose, left us in relegation last year. Thankfully, got over the line. Um, we're really eager to just, you know, close off that margin this year, push on. Like, last year could have been so much better for us, but little things went wrong. You know, you can't blame everything on luck, so it's all about getting better. Uh, we've new girls involved as well, great energy going forward, and we're only delighted to have the fresh legs and, you know, the new girls joining us. And when you're talking about small margins, is that kind of frustrating and encouraging almost in equal measure? That's it. Like, it wasn't just one match. There was a few matches where there's only a point in it, a draw. Like, if we'd won, you know, things could have gone so much different. Um, I suppose for us, I feel it's the last... Finishing out the game stronger, um, because we're always with the with the teams, you know, first half, most of the second half, just about capitalising on that for the last 15 and uh, pushing forward to get the victory and not be left a point behind in the final whistle. Yeah, I suppose when I closer on down the road, the, the group that you're in in the league, you're going to be meeting quality from day one, so that's the best preparation possible. 100%. Uh, what better challenge to have the All-Ireland Champions in the first round? Um, our first three games, you could nearly say, you know, they're the top teams in the country for Camogie. And I suppose for us to improve and to get far in the competition, we need to be competing and beating those teams. Um, I think even competing, 
beyond competing is what we need to be doing now. So look, no fear going forward. We'll be the underdogs uh, going into it and I'm looking forward to each of those games. Yeah. The squad seems to be in a good place from an age profile perspective. There's, there's youth on your side, but a good deal of experience built into that youth as well. That's it. Like we have not lost. I don't think any, barely any players from last year, the senior anyway. Um, junior is the same. So like we've only gained players really, um, and the mix of I suppose experience and that's, you know, the encouragement, the confidence that will drive from the older players to the younger players is vital to get them, you know, up and playing as good as they can because we were all starting off once and it is hard, but you know the help of the older girls with the experience will really bring them on and look, we're all going out there together, so each of us needs to be ready. And it's an exciting time as well. We're hearing Cahar Lohan this morning. Fantastic to see the Camogie and ladies football squads getting equal use of it, and you're opening up in Cusie Park as well, ahead of a double header with the football. So that's all progressive stuff, isn't it? 100% delighted to be uh, in Cahar because it's not fair for me either, so <laughs> it's just ideal. Um, but like, like, I'm delighted that the ladies football and ourselves are kind of been recognised, I suppose. Um, able to train the facilities that were built uh, for county teams. Um, I love, you know, the idea of us playing before other games because it promotes the sport more, even if people are coming in for the second game, at least, you know, they'd be aware of, I suppose, how we're doing and the work we put in, the work the management put in, deserves more recognition than it, like, is getting, I think, mm. in the media. From your own point of view, you're a couple of years with the squad now. Do you feel that you're maybe moving on to that leadership role? Yeah, I, I suppose there's a few of us there that have been around a long time and you wouldn't feel the years going by, but like when you actually think about it, it has been a long time since we joined. Um, year by year, I think you just kind of learn that, you know, every game comes, you know, treat every game as it comes. You can't be thinking too far forward. Um, and I do think that the experience, I do feel experience at this stage um, from, all the championships we've played from the girls I've been playing with, we all kind of started at the same time. So we've been through thick and thin together. Um, and look, I'm delighted to just be welcoming the new girls. And, you know, I really hope that they grow in confidence and they're playing brilliant at the moment. So I'm only delighted. And maybe we don't give enough credence to that experience in a game situation. Like you'll often hear players saying, you can do nothing about the ball that's gone, but you can influence the one that's to come. So that thing of keeping a cool head when, when those little moments happen in games. Yeah, 100%. The last few years, I've really learned that it's the mental strength that will make you finish out the game, not panic. Um, not every day you're going to play brilliant. And it's about accepting that. Don't panic. Um, the psycho psychological side of it, I think, is vital. Um, and I've learned, I'll say I've uh, felt I've developed more from that in the last few years, really understanding um, where that comes into play in the game. Um, but yeah, it's kind of when things are going wrong, I feel not to panic, that's experience where it comes in. And to also share that non-panic with the players around you, the younger players, don't panic, this has happened before, this can go, any team, this can happen to, we're just going to keep playing next ball all the time and just keep the focus. Clare's Alana Ryan there ahead of Sunday's opener in the National Camogie League. That game will have a 12 o'clock start in Cusick Park. We're back shortly.
Now we're turning our attentions to soccer where once again it is a big weekend coming up on the uh, provincial scene uh, Munster Junior Cup and that Clare Derby that we've all been looking forward to Newmarket Celtic in Shannon Town Newmarket making the short trip in the road to take on the neighbours Jim Madden with me to look ahead to it uh, Jim I suppose it's a double-edged sword really the fact that they've been drawn together means that we're guaranteed a, t- a Clare team will progress at the same time you'd like the opportunity for both to do it but um this weekend, local bragging rights and progression on the line. Oh, yes, indeed. I mean, it'll be a very, very competitive game. Um, just looking at the two teams, Paddy Purcell's problem, Newmarket will probably be slightly more favoured, even though they're away from home, because of the strength of the Newmarket squad with Shane Cusick in goal and Dave McCarthy and Dara Leahy, who is scoring a lot of uh, important goals for them. Then you have, of course, the junior international that the probably most talked about man in Clare soccer, Owen Hayes. And then they have the young fella that I find a very exciting talent, Harvey Cullinan. Um, so a very, very good spread of players. Now, Steve Dolan then has done a lot of work on Shannon Town over the last season since he took over from Derek Burden. And then he has a couple of very talented young players and a couple of a little bit more experienced as well. Kieran Hackett, a very, very good player, scores regularly. Charlie Morrison, Stephen Carroll then, who would be a bit of a veteran, uh, Kai Katan. And uh, he then has a choice of goalkeepers. Now, it'll be very interesting to see who he'll go with, uh, Shane Russell or Owen Casey. So uh, Stephen has a few decisions to make there. It'll be a very competitive game, I would imagine, it's 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 the derby element, so that's going to come into it. It's it's not a league game, you know. Often, and and you have seen this down the years, you you could, you could play this as a league fixture last weekend, and it could go a particular way. The fact then that it's a standalone Munster Junior game probably gives it its own aura. Then that you know what, when previous may not have any major impact on it. Oh, you're you're dead right. I mean, this is knockout football at its most uh, competitive, for want of a better word, um, and they. The winning it does mean that your season is is um, going to be extended, and not alone that, but it also means that you're going to get a chance to come up against outside opposition, and that's what players in all sports love to be playing against teams that they're not familiar with or they're not their normal bread and butter. So for Pat, for Paddy Purcell and Newmarket, this is a massive opportunity. They're in the quarterfinal of the FAI. They'll be mad keen to add this to their tally. While for Shannon Town, uh, it probably has a different significance in that um, they probably can't really win the Clare League. Now, they can win the Cup, all right. They're still in the Cup there. But the league is between Avenue and Newmarket. Um, and Stephen will feel that this is a way of keeping their um, season very much alive. So there will be very little... Um, there'll be plenty of competition, competitiveness, and that between the two sides. And um, nobody will give anything away easy. That being said, though, if you were to kind of analyse it in, in a cold light of day type of scenario, you'd have to say Newmarket probably playing the, the more high profile games, the higher quality games, and with that, giving them the slight favour tag? Uh, yes, indeed. I mean, uh, Paddy has done a phenomenal job since he took over there. They're unbeaten right this season in every competition. Um, and they have had a couple of very, very good results away from home. So being away from home doesn't uh, frighten Newmarket one way or another. They went to Dublin to beat Rahini in a game that was very competitive. And then in the next round of the FAI, they went into regional, where they were up against a couple of players uh, who were ex-Clare. Uh, and um, the, the 
there was one or two that had a bit of time with Newmarket as well. So, um, and they ha- they won that, and it was a battle that went to extra time. So, Newmarket are battle-hardened, which maybe should give them a bit of an edge over Shannon Town. But as you said, this is a local derby to all intents and purposes. There will be no surprises on either side. Uh, they all know one another. So, um, I think there'll be a big crowd at this game, and it'll be a game that uh, could go right down to the wire. 2pm in Lynch Park, Shannon, on Sunday afternoon. Um, and a couple of other games uh, in, the, in the Premier Division as well, Jim, I suppose, just to pick out one, perhaps, um, while Newmarket are, are tied up with Munster Junior Action Avenue, have a, a league game to steal a bit of ground on them and uh, maybe put the pressure on a little bit. Uh, yes, indeed. I mean, for, for Avenue, they were very disappointed to lose uh, in to Colga in Galway at the weekend in the FAI. They led 1-0 and then uh, Colga equalised. Unfortunately for Avenue, the game went to a penalty shootout and Avenue struggled big time in the penalty shootout. They didn't actually register a goal from in the penalties. Now, that would have been very, very disappointing for David Russell and they will now feel that uh, the big thing for them to do is to retain their Clare League title and also to retain the Cup, um, which they'll be playing in a couple of weeks' time. So uh, for Avenue, um, and anybody playing against Avenue in the Clare League at the moment, there'll be no prisoners taken there, and Avenue will not be showing any mercy, I would think. Jim, thanks for that. As part of this week's Sport in Focus series, we spoke with members of Venice Rugby Club as this week saw them launch their centenary celebrations. Could be a big night ahead too for the club with former player Ethan Coughlin part of the Munster Matchday squad for their URC showdown with Ospreys in Thoman Park. I spoke with former President Richard Murphy and current President Dermot Hanahan to reflect on the club's journey. We start with Dermot. It's something we're very, very proud of. Uh, we've obviously had a long history with the town here and uh, have had uh, varying successes, I guess, over the year. years, particularly, I guess, at underage. We've always been uh, pretty good at producing a good crop of players, particularly the, the youth grades uh, over the years. You know, there's a couple uh, that have went on to play both with Munster, even currently we have a, a couple involved there in the academy, the likes of Tony Butler, uh, Ethan Coughlin, and uh, there's a couple of the women involved there as well, and have been really, we've been quite successful on the women's side um, since kind of rejuvenating it or, or, or restarting it probably north of five and six years ago, you know, and uh, we're fortunate again that we've got kind of women's representatives at 14s, 16s, 18s, and the same on the uh, on the boys and men's side, you know? Mm. Yeah. Starting out in 1923, which I don't think you were around that time, but you've seen quite a bit of it all the same. Um, the dream, I suppose, was to provide rugby for the town of Innes, but what it has grown into, that, that old story about the little acorn and the mighty oaks comes to mind. Absolutely. Uh, the underage section began in the early 70s. Aidan Deegan would have started up. His son would be a journalistic colleague of yours. Gordon, yeah. um, so it started in the 20s, it was mostly uh, mostly bank workers and uh, people who were coming into the town. So it, there was a brief hiatus there during the emergency uh, and it, it kick-started again there in the early 50s. So it's been, it's been chugging along since and then, as I said, the, the underage just seems to have just exploded over the last 15, 15 20 years. So we're just trying to hang on to its coattails, really, at this point in time. 
Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? I mean, with more, with more numbers, with more success comes more work and more commitment. But when you can see the obvious outcome from it, I suppose it makes it that little bit easier. Very much so. The rewards are there. Uh, you know, we have, yeah, I did a tot there fairly recently. We have the bones of 60 uh, different coaches involved from minis all the way up the stack. So when you're trying to provide a facility for everything from under sevens up to 18s and then including adults, men's and women's, it all adds up mm. pretty quickly. So, you know, I guess the first thing to say is we're very, very uh, thankful for the the support of all of those people who volunteer their time for free and importantly as well uh, a lot of the sponsors who are all local businesses in the main as well uh, without them uh, we would be challenged I guess as the corporate speak for that uh, but the, the truth of it is yeah that we're very very grateful for that kind of support and uh, I've been consistently uh, asking and, and, and saying to people, you don't need any kind of experience with rugby to get involved here. There are plenty of uh, things that need doing and that don't necessarily require any kind of history with rugby. So if you've got kids involved here or whatever else, make yourself known either to us or to the coaches at that grade. And uh, yeah, it's, it's very worthwhile, it's very fulfilling. And you can get to see when you get involved with the group to see them progress. You know, I was uh, briefly involved coaching under 13s with Ken Butler and Tony and Ethan and Connor. And um, so, you know, that was really, I gave us a good opportunity to show different kids what can be achieved. And the likes of uh, Avian Hahasi, Aoife Corey, and a few others on the women's side, they're out there now as well. There's they're the kind of the role models uh, for the girls coming through here. You know, they have a, a catchphrase there, can't see it, can't be it. Uh, well, at least here they can certainly see it, you know. Yeah, they're doing just that. And I know there was that time, Richard, where the, the three boys, Ethan, Tony and Connor, uh, lined out for Munster in a Champions Cup game. Circumstances at the time opened up that opportunity for them. But, you know, for Innes Rugby Club to have been that, that genesis for their journey must have been a hugely proud moment. Well, it was, absolutely, because I guess in rugby with, with the professional aspect to it that is the ultimate the ultimate achievement um, now it's not what we start out with with the kids and like first and foremost is giving them a fun environment to, to to express themselves in anything that comes after that is a bonus mm. and like the the object of our underage system is just to produce players for our, for our adults um, anything above and beyond that is a bonus but it's it was hugely satisfying and it was just great to get a bit of profile because quite often like I say, it's a professional game. There is a feeder system. Mm. We're not. We're definitely not at the top of that feeder system. You know, we're, we, we tend to be preyed upon rather than be the prey. Um, so it was nice to get our name up in lights, however tangent, tangent, tangentially. Um, so long may it continue, and you know, there's there's plenty of talent coming through all the time. So. Hopefully there'll be a few more to come. Yeah, as people can see, they're watching the video on the social media pages, like there's fantastic facilities here. There's a gym that would be good enough for anybody. There's a bar upstairs that no doubt generates a little bit of revenue as well, and the grounds itself immaculately kept. Like That's probably all important as well, I suppose. When parents come, maybe that's the side of things they're looking at, that what facilities are here for their young girl or boy that wants to play. And on that end, Ennis certainly won't disappoint them. No, no, we won't. And you're right. I mean, like... It's, it's the small things that matter sometimes. Mm. Having a clean, well-kept place, is, it goes a long way. Now, I would say that we are probably hemmed in at the moment 
Um, we've only got the one pitch. We're renting a bit of ground out of our neighbours, and we're with the council facility above Lees Road, which is we'd be lost without. So we're always on the lookout for for more, but you know, isn't everyone looking for land? Yeah. <laughs> for one guy is for another, I guess. But but that's just his term, isn't it? It's that challenge to keep evolving. Like while the the hundred years, the first hundred years of Innes Rugby Club have obviously been night and day. You know, could anybody even visit this in 1923? For those people that with the club around, hopefully in another hundred years, the involvement it'll all happen at rapid pace, won't it? Yeah, I think kind of Richard was speaking about kind of showing a bit of foresight there, like that, and uh, his mother, God rest her, showed great foresight in getting two five-a-side pitches uh, going there and that's like a revenue stream that's absolutely crucial for us and uh, we get really good use out of them um, and that's another service that's provided to uh, the community on the one hand and indeed um, some of the underage kids uh, if they want to have a birthday party or that kind of thing they can play a bit of tag rugby they can play a bit of um, soccer and then they can have their cake and crisps upstairs in the clubhouse and, and that's important too you know uh, the shop itself there we try to open that every Sunday morning so that when the minis parents are there it can be tough you know for any parent I think at half past nine on a Sunday morning or nine o'clock uh, they might be just a little bit cloudy maybe one or two of them uh, so a nice cup of tea and an, an opportunity uh, to to, to get out, I guess, uh, is, is good, and the fact that we are so close to the town as well. Uh, Richard spoke now about the next piece of foresight, which is knowing that you know, we need to evolve, we need to look to see where we can provide uh, additional facilities, and I guess that's next on the, uh, on the agenda, isn't it? Yeah, just on that, it's, a, it's in this rugby club is the brand, but obviously West Clare, North Clare, parts of East Clare and, and further beyond all feed into that kind of family group system. I mean, it's it's a case of, obviously it's not just Innes, you'll take them in from all over, you have done, and you've developed them into, into serious players. Uh, we do, yeah, we do. There's, they're, they're coming from all, all parts of the county. Now, quite often, if, say, the likes of Kilrush or Scarif have players at an age grade, but they don't have enough for a team, they'll they'll lend in, we're quite happy to take them on. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's county-wide at this stage, and uh, with Liston Barna starting up now with a girls' section up there, so it's, it covers all parts of the county. I mean, like our, our under-18s won a League and Cup double last year, and there was a spread all around the county. They were coming down from Bell Harbour, in, mm. from, in from West Clare, so like I say, all, all are welcome, and uh, the door's open for everyone. Take me back over your time involved with the club, Richard. What was your first involvement, or what, what drew you to it? Like the, the, the GAs often rightly daughter has been a family organisation and family run, family centred. Well, the rugby club is the same. Uh, my parents were involved. So when I was first here, God only knows, but uh, I wouldn't have remembered it. Um, but the big day in our house always growing up was, was when Junior Cup time came around, towards the springtime. Um, other people would be looking forward to the FA Cup final or to or to the All Ireland series of starting up, but for us it was it was a Junior Cup day. We knew when it was on, and it was a big thing for us. So all my my parents were involved for years. My dad was president a couple of times. My mother was on committee for God knows how long, and all my brothers played. So and there's plenty of other families like that have been involved for years and years. Mm. Um, you can trace them all the way back there to to the early days when the club started up there in the early 20s. So. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll and long way continue. So, like, I have a, I have a little daughter there now, so no doubt she'll be roped in at some point. <laughs> and at the 
the circle will continue. Um, what, are your, what are your most memorable moments, I suppose, from, from your time involved here? My most memorable moments would, geez, where would you start? Uh, we went on tour there a couple of years back with the, with the seniors to France to uh, an amateur Six Nations mm -hmm. tournament five years ago down the south of France. That was, um, that was just a spectacular trip all around. And it, it went so well, in fact, we've been invited out now this September again to an amateur World Cup tournament. Mm -hmm. So we're representing Ireland out there. For myself, well, we won a few trophies growing up. Um, and then I suppose really and truly, the, uh, the lads talking out from Munster now, really, that was a really special day. Mm. Just the buzz around it. Um, you know, really didn't get much better than that. Um, it was a proud moment. There was a lot of people gone before us now who would have been delighted to see that, but, you know, we'll, uh, it'll live along in the memory. From your own point of view, Dermot, what first drew you down? What's your uh, connection? Yeah, well, I, I guess what first drew me down, I came down here to work uh, for a company in Shannon, you know, and uh, I know Alan Butler from, I used to play with what was Aer Lingus Rugby Club, it's Swords Rugby Club uh, now, so uh, Alan's an Ennis man, uh, and yeah, so I kind of, as, as you do, I kind of rocked up here. I remember watching a, a very young Brian Murphy kicking points. He was, you know, it's only about it's probably 16, 17. That was 20 odd years ago now, you know. And uh, I just, I was really impressed uh, at, at what he was doing. Um, but so I got involved kind of in that way. In the first instance, I was very much in the winter of my career at that stage. Uh, so I managed to knock maybe a couple of years out of it, then got married. and. Um, Pretty soon afterwards, I took up refereeing and coaching, so I've kind of been involved here, uh, both as a club referee and as a coach for uh, hitting on 20 years now, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember uh, Anna Carroll Plate uh, out on that back pitch in Thoman Park. I'm pretty sure it was against Cashel because was it Dennis Leamy's couple of brothers were uh, playing on the other side, so uh, it's not the most prestigious competition ever. Uh, but silverware is silverware, and I, you know, just that achievement uh, for what was effectively on a seconds team at the time. Uh, and there's, I'm sure there's a couple of lads around town probably still dining out on it. You know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that was maybe a memorable one, as Richie mentioned, the three boys representing Munster, but also all of those other players that have represented Munster Juniors. We have, you know, a fairly long um, association with the Munster junior side and when you're playing junior rugby uh, that in itself is an, an honour and an achievement that uh, maybe outside of maybe rugby circles mightn't be as well recognised but within rugby uh, it is and uh, the difficulty when you start naming players like that is that you'll inevitably uh, omit some so I'll, 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 I'll be diplomatic <laughs> and I'll acknowledge all of them and they'll know who they are you know any of them that have been invited to play Munster Juniors, uh, you know, have been honoured and, and, and it reflects the quality of the player that they are because that's taken obviously from all of the Munster Junior clubs and, mm -hmm. and that's quite, uh, yeah, that's quite a big pack to be uh, dealing with, you know. And it's not just the Munster team that the lads are presented, obviously there was a huge involvement in that under 20 um, Six Nations victory as well, yeah. um, Ethan Coughlin captaining Ireland out in Italy as well, for, I mean that's massive, there hasn't been too many Clare men have captained their country in any code, so it speaks volumes, the work that's going in, and just recently on, on a Munster level we saw the women's section which has exploded here, we've often spoken to, to Lorcan Hine about that, but to have such a heavy in involvement then in, in winning that Inter Pro series, 
again, it just shows another evolvement and another strength to the ball of the club, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's fantastic. They've come a long way in a short time. Um, and it is testament to the girls that you know, they're, they're putting the work in. They're, they're getting the due reward. So they, they retained the interprovincial title there on Saturday. Yes. Yeah. A couple of the girls scored. Um, but I, get, I, I think it's important as well that while all that is fantastic and reflects well on the club, you know, they really are the elite. And you know, we could have, whatever, I don't know, we've the bonds five, six hundred kids here. You know, really and truly, we're just trying to we're trying to bring them all along, trying to keep them entertained, trying to keep them having a fun time. And we can't lose sight of that in pursuit of pushing through the elite players. The elite players will be picked up by the, the scouting system anyway. We just need to make sure that we, uh, everyone feels that it's not just a case that we're here for, for winning and winning alone mm. and trying to push players on to representative rugby, good and all as it is, and welcome and all as it is. Yeah. That, that atmosphere that you spoke about, that, that it's here always, and that, that's the goal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, it's got to be fun at the end of the day. And uh, if it's not fun, kids will vote for their feet. Mm. If they won't come back. So, you know, we try where possible. Everyone gets a, ga everyone gets a gallop. Um, you know, as it gets up to the age grades, then to 16, 17, 18, it gets a bit more competitive. But you know, we're fielding two teams at 18, so you know, there's rugby for everyone. Um, but yeah, that 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 really has to be the, a central part of what we do. It's got to be fun. Mm. It's got to be fun. We, there are times when you'll be banging your head against the wall, but you know, <laughs> by and large, I think we're, we, 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 we find a reasonable balance with it, and it's, it seems to be working to our advantage so far. That's Richard Murphy and Dermot Hallahan of Innes Rugby Club, and you can watch a video of that interview now on the Clare FM Facebook page. That's all we've got time for this week here on the show. The West Wind is up next, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.